Hey guys, it's Michelle. And Brandy. And this is Spooky Shin, Tales from the Beyond. Leah couldn't make it this week. She is moving. She moved two days ago, but for some reason she still couldn't make it. I don't know. <laughs> she's tired or whatever. <laughs> but this week we are going to be talking about Poltergeist. I'm going to be talking about the Enfield Poltergeist. And then I'm going to talk about the Great Amherst Mystery. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to start off. Um, according to Wikipedia, a poltergeist is, quote, a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. They're also capable of causing physical harm to individuals and levitating objects. It's a German word that translates to noisy ghost. So just a more annoying version of a regular ghost. <laughs> so as I said, I'm going to be talking about the infield poltergeist, which actually inspired The Conjuring 2, aka the reason I wanted to talk about this. And just a heads up, there's a lot of skeptics for the story, but like isn't there always. And I'm going to talk about them at the end because I'm just going to stick with the fun stuff in the beginning. <laughs> so I feel weird. Because no one's here, and it's just me with my <laughs> headphones on talking to myself. <laughs> okay. My story takes place from 1977 and 1979 in Enfield, which from what I can understand is kind of like a smaller town in London, England. In a rented home in Enfield lived Peggy Hodgson, a single mother, with her four children. They were Margaret, 14, Janet, 11, Johnny, 10, and Billy, 7. Probably. So, like, weirdly different sites didn't know the brothers' names. I saw, like, a bunch of different names for them, but I at least know Margaret and Janet are right. <laughs> the paranormal activity began on August 30th, 1977, and Janet later said it was shortly after he, her and her sister had played with a Ouija board. Bad call. So, Peggy was told by Janet that her and one of her brother's beds were shaking on their own, and she herself heard shuffling noises, but just assumed it was them, like, trying to trick her or something. The next night, Peggy heard a loud noise coming from the room, and when she went upstairs, she saw a chest of drawers moving towards the door. She tried to stop it, but felt like there was an invisible force that was, like, trying to trap them in the room. The family would also frequently hear knocking along their walls that would fade in and out as it went around the rooms. This led to them all sleeping in the same room together with a light on because they were so scared. Peggy eventually called on their neighbor Vic Nottingham to come check it out and see if he could help. Vic and his wife Peggy came over and could hear the knocking on the walls, and they actually even heard it on the ceilings, which freaked them out. They had no idea what could be causing it, though, so they called the police. The police, I don't know, were going to arrest the ghost or something. So the police came and searched the house, but found nothing to explain the knocking either, like no intruders or anything. However, they were also able to hear the distinct tapping noises, and one of the officers actually even saw a chair in the home levitate half an inch above the ground and move several feet across the room. She checked it for wires or anything that could have assisted the move, but couldn't find anything. Uh, they just left because they were like, oh, we can't do anything about this. No one's breaking the law here. And they peaced out. <laughs> Unsure what to do now, the family decided to contact the media. A crew from the BBC came to check it out, but later found that metal components and their tape equipment had been twisted, so the recordings were erased. A photographer and journalist from the tabloid newspaper Daily Mirror, Graham Morris, was also sent over to check out the house and its alleged haunting. Once he had set up a camera in Janet's room, and while he wasn't in there, pictures were taken that he believes are her levitating. 
I'm going to show you the pictures, though, because to me, it straight just looks like she's jumping in the air. I will be posting this on Instagram as well. If you remember. Yeah, if I remember. That's a big if. <laughs> but I, they actually, I think they actually show the real pictures in the Conjuring 2 movie. And in the movie, they were like, that looks like she's jumping. <laughs> you could see. Her legs oh, are... Yeah. Yeah, her legs are, like, bent, and her arms are outstretched. It looks like she's jumped off the bed. <laughs> yeah, it does look like that. Super questionable. However, there are two witnesses, a baker and a crossing guard, who say they witnessed her levitating and spinning in the air from outside her window. Another time, Graham describes being in the kitchen as the family members came in one by one, and when Janet finally came in, it was chaos. Objects started flying around the room, people were screaming, and a Lego hit him over the eye. He believes this was supernatural as he could see everyone in the room and didn't see anything getting thrown at him. I don't know who is screaming in the family. Janet comes in, they're all like, fuck! <laughs> the neighbor Vic actually had a similar incident where he was also hit by a flying Lego, but in the elbow. He says that he also didn't see anyone in the room throw it at him, so believes it was a ghost. I don't, I don't know what's Just up with throwing Legos. Legos. Yeah, specifically Legos. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, the Daily Mirror was not well-equipped to handle a haunting, so Maurice Gross, Morris, so Morris Gross, probably, from the Society for Physical Research was called in to help the family. Morris Gross was a British paranormal investigator. In his younger life, he had actually been an apprentice for a commercial art design company when World War II began. He joined the army and was even one of the soldiers at the Battle of Dunkirk, but he was luckily evacuated. I'm telling a little backstory because I thought his life was kind of cool. He proposed to his wife, Betty, within days of meeting her, and they were married within 10 weeks. They went on to live a happy life with their three children, that is, until their youngest daughter, Janet, weird coincidence with the names, she was killed in a motorbike accident. After his death, him and his wife had a number of paranormal experiences and believed that Janet was, like, trying to reach out to them, so he joined the research group I mentioned above to better learn about the supernatural. He claims while at the Hodgins' house, he experienced a number of incidents, such as seeing marbles being thrown around, and when you picked them up, they were hot to the touch. The door would move by, doors would move by itself, not the door, and the temperature would suddenly drop. Once while standing in the kitchen, he claims a t-shirt that had been on the table was suddenly thrown across the room by an invisible force. He began to record incidents to get further evidence of a poltergeist. While recording one night in a bedroom, the lamp in the room suddenly turned off. It had been unplugged from the wall across the room. This happened a total of four times that night. Shortly after this, Morris was holding the door when a slipper was suddenly thrown at him. A lot of throwing, honestly. Marbles getting thrown, Legos getting thrown, I mean, slippers. That's what makes him a noisy ghost, right? True. That's what makes a poltergeist. <laughs> so, another night while in a room with around 11 to 12 people in it, Morris was talking to a member of the family when he witnessed a chair lifting into the air and flipping upside down only a foot away from him. I'm assuming that everyone else thought too but I worded that questionably, and I don't really remember. <laughs> so, Morris would communicate with the spirits through knocks. He would ask it questions while telling the ghost to knock once for no, two for yes. Once while doing this, he said he was asking the ghost questions, such as, are you unhappy, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And he wasn't receiving any malicious answers, but when he asked him, are you playing a game with me, a cardboard box and pillow were thrown at him. Another time he asked, do you enjoy upsetting this family and receive two knocks for yes? Then, will you go away, which got one knock for no. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so, 
So BBC radio reporter Roz Morris began to cover the case and once joined Morris for an overnight vigil while the family slept. While they were there, they heard a loud crash from the girl's bedroom, and then when they went to investigate, they found a chair had moved nine feet across the room. She believed something had thrown it across the room as the sisters were still in their beds. But, like, this one I don't get because they could have just gone back in bed. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood something here. So the phenomena became more intense over time. Drawers were forcibly pulled out of their cabinets, bedding would be pulled off the children as they slept, and small fires would start and extinguish on their own. That one I've actually never heard of in any ghost thing, so that was kind of impressive. A table lamp once bent over 45 degrees before suddenly returning to its normal position. Once in front of nine witnesses, a sofa began to levitate and was flipped upside down. And in case it wasn't clear from, like, earlier things I said, the poltergeist seemed to mostly focus on Janet, and it would sometimes interact with Margaret, too. It's mostly about the sisters. So... Peggy's brother, who lived nearby, once was over and heard a noise upstairs in the girls' room, so he went to investigate. He saw Margaret lying on the floor asleep, and in a corner of the room saw Janet laying horizontally on top of a radio with one leg against the wall and her head dangling sideways while asleep. And it's like, it was not a big radio, it was probably just a couple feet, and it was also on top of, like, a dresser. So she would have, like, climbed up there and had a leg up. I don't know. It's just fucking weird. Yeah, it was weird. Not comfy. <laughs> so Janet would go into violent fits, which scared her family. She was unable to remember anything while these were happening and would be distressed when shown images of herself in them afterwards. As well as this, she began to speak in weird voices, kind of like something was speaking through her. And Morris recorded some of these with the help of his son Richard, who interviewed Janet slash the poltergeist. In one recording, you could hear her whistling and barking, and he tells it, Okay, if you can make those noises, then you can speak, so say my name. It complied, but kind of barked it out. Like, I actually had to listen to it twice, because initially I thought it was just a bark. <laughs> but it's like a really good-sounding bark. It sounds like an actual dog, so... I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> when asked how many voices she had, she responded in a guttural tone, saying 600, while her sister said it was more like 10, and the rest couldn't really speak. She said it didn't feel like it was talking from her throat, but rather the back of her neck, and she could feel someone behind her like it was talking for her. One of the main... I know, it's really creepy, actually. (laughs) One of the main voices that spoke through Janet was that of Bill Wilkins, a man who had lived in the house before them and died there. While speaking for him, she said, Just before I died, I went blind, and then I had a hemorrhage, and I fell asleep, and I died in the chair in the corner downstairs. So, according to what I could find online, Bill Wilkins' son actually confirmed that he had died a chair in the living room, and I have no idea how Janet could possibly have known about this when he died, like, years before they even moved in. Mm-hmm. Super creepy. And that part's actually, like, exactly in the movie. Whenever they said, whenever I was reading that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> True. So, Maurice had the girls... I'm just saying his name different always, aren't I? Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Maurice? I, I know. It's M-A-U-R-I-C-E, which I always read as Maurice, but in the, record, yeah. in the recording, like, I was listening to they kept calling him Morris, so much so that I initially was spelling his name like Morris Code. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you say it Maurice. Maurice. I'll just go Maurice. They're British. I don't know. So I think it was just their accent then. Yeah. So, Maurice had the girls tested to see if they were able to ventriloquize, which is like a ventriloquist dummy, you know, like talking for a doll or something, but your mouth's not moving while you do it. 
but he said that these tests proved that they were unable to. Definitely got to mention here that they could have faked this. I don't know how exactly you prove that somebody can't do this, but he did point out that if they were speaking these guttural tones for extended periods of time, they would likely cause like damage to their vocal cords or cause them to have raspy voices while recovering, but neither of these things happen. Because they wouldn't just do it for a couple minutes, they would do it like on and off for hours. I say they, I think sometimes Margaret did it, but I think it was mostly Janet. It was unclear, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Once the iron fireplace in Janet's room was actually wrenched from her wall by itself, I don't know who saw this, but it's a thing. And she later spoke of having a curtain being wrapped around her neck by the poltergeist, which finally made her realize, like, holy shit, this thing could kill me. <laughs> that was it. That's all I, it took. That, that was the... Just some light <laughs> strangling. Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the summer of 1978, the home was actually even visited by none other than Ed and Lorraine Warren, who, in <sighs> case you guys don't know, are demonologists and paranormal investigators. We have a whole ass episode about them, and it's called Ed and Lorraine Warren and a Ghostly Roomba, if you guys want to listen to it, wink wink. Even though, as I mentioned before, this story went on to inspire The Conjuring 2, which is all about the Warrens, they were actually hardly involved in this incident in real life. It's reported from Wakasee that they only stayed for a day, but they did believe it was a true haunting, with Ed later stating in a book, and human spirit phenomena were in progress. Such a dramatic-ass way of saying, it's haunted. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit about skepticism. These two little girls are, like, super weird, and a lot of people don't believe them, at least as far as the spirits talking through them. Watching interviews of them when they are being spoken through, it does kind of seem sketchy, because sometimes they look like they're trying not to smile after talking. Janet even told, I'm assuming it's a Doctor Who knock-knock joke, And then when the interviewer kept saying Doctor Who, she looked like she was trying to wipe away her smile. Another time, when asked if they were being haunted, Janet said, no, it's not a haunting. And Margaret quickly whispered to her, shut up. Then went on to explain, it didn't feel like a haunting because they didn't think the poltergeist was evil and it just wanted to join the family. They're, (laughs) like, watching these interviews, they're creepy. I feel bad because they were children, but you know they're adults now, so I could call them creepy. I mean, kids can be creepy, too, though. They're fucking creepy. But it was so funny, because it was, like, in a guttural voice, and they're like, knock, knock. And he's like, who? And she said, doctor. And they said, doctor who? And she just looked like she was trying not to smile. And he kept saying, doctor who? And I was like, bro, you don't get it. (laughs) So (laughs) embarrassing. So, probably the most damning evidence against the family is that the sisters were actually caught faking experiences. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, once they were caught bending spoons, and a lot of people were suspicious as to why no one was allowed in the same room as Janet while she spoke as Bill Wilkins. I don't know if this was, like, um, an earlier thing, because, like, eventually they did get recordings of her speaking in voices, but I don't know. Maybe it wasn't her Bill voice in the videos I watched. So, Janet went on to explain these incidents later as them seeing if Maurice and other investigators would notice that they were lying, which they did. So they were just testing them. She thinks about 2% of all the total paranormal occurrences were faked, but the rest were real. I do think it's worth mentioning, though, one theory I read that maybe the girls felt like a pressure whenever people would show up to investigate, like, oh shit, we need to make sure that they see something. So they would go on and like try to exaggerate the activity. 
which I feel like would be me if I was in this story. I'd be like, oh my god, I feel so bad if they don't hear a ghost. Then I'm like, I'm a ghost. <laughs> so despite the evidence showing that maybe the two sisters were just having fun and messing around, there are over 30 eyewitnesses who reported seeing activity in the home. Some of the neighbors once witnessed a pool of water coming from nowhere, and later they found the kitchen table flipped up. Jana had been sitting in one of the table chairs and was suddenly thrown across the room when this happened. Another reason to believe is that it wasn't exactly making the family popular. They didn't receive any money for telling their story, and the family was basically ostracized by their local community. Janet was bullied by her peers at school and called Ghost Girl. She even briefly had to go to a psychiatric hospital for testing. One of her brothers... Yeah, I know, it's fucked up. One of her brothers was made fun of as well. He'd be called Freak Boy from the Ghost House, and people in the streets would spit on him. It's, That's fucked up. I know, it's fucked up. They're just like little kids. They were, the brothers were like 7 and 10. Janet was like 11. People were just fucking bullying them. <laughs> so eventually in 1978, things began to calm down, but never completely. Janet thinks it's because of a priest who visited the home that things were better. So four years after the haunting ended, when she was 16, Janet got married and moved out of the house. Her younger brother, Johnny, actually died of cancer just a couple years after this when he was only 14. Unfortunately, she also lost a son who died in his sleep at the age of 18. So this family just has like a lot of bad luck. A lot of shitty stuff happens to them. Peggy, who remained in the home with Billy until her death in 2003, would still hear strange noises around the house sometimes. And Billy said that you always felt like you were being watched by someone. After Peggy... Yeah. Can you imagine that, too, for, like, 30 years having that shit? That's so brutal. Uh-huh. I would move. That's, I don't know. That sounds brutal. Yeah, I don't know why they stayed there. I mean, I think it was, like, government housing or something, so it probably was cheaper, but damn. Sucks. <laughs> so, after Peggy passed away, a new family, Claire Bennett and her four sons, moved in. Claire had similar experiences as far as feeling like she was always being watched, and her sons would be woken up in the middle of the night hearing voices coming from downstairs. She decided that enough was enough and to move out of move out her family after only two months living there once her 15-year-old son woke up in the middle of the night to see a man walking into his room. Uh... <laughs> Not an intruder, by the way. It was a ghost. <laughs> so, there are a few documentaries about the Enfield Poltergeist, including one I watched on YouTube called The Enfield... Enfield Poltergeist BBC The True Story which is pretty old I think it might have been like the 80s when it was made and it's not the best quality but still has some of the recordings of Jan's voice so it's a little spooky at times it's mostly from Maurice's point of view so overall I can't totally make up my mind about this case because part of me thinks it's fake like while watching the girls talk they just look like they're messing around trying not to smile But then I read the reports by adults who say they witnessed the events, and I don't see why they would do it just for fun. Like, I get why kids would do it, but adults, what's the point? So, my Mm -hmm. guess would have to be that most of the events were real, but like the girl said, like, maybe 2% was fake. Like, they were just exaggerating the voices and stuff. Because you'll have to, I'll probably, I don't want to post the whole video because I'm not trying to do, like, copyright infringement or whatever. But maybe I'll post, like, a screen cap of, like, their smirks. Because it straight looks like they're just, like, wiping smile off of their face the entire time. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? (laughs) Here, I will show you a picture real quick, Brandy. She would just, like, talk in the voice and then just smile like this after. 
Oh my god. She's kind of creepy looking. That's, like, yeah, that's a creepy smile. I know, I feel bad because she's just a child, but I'm like, girl, you're kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but that is my story on the infield poltergeist. It's also so funny having no one here because I spread my arms out all dramatically when I ended it, and I was like, wow, <laughs> it's just me. Alright. I guess that means it's my turn. Your turn to, your time to shine, I should say. My time to shine. Take it off. Hey! <laughs> Alright. So, I'm gonna talk about the great... I'm, I'm just gonna apologize right now. You guys know I suck at pronunciations. What do you mean? And... <laughs> <laughs> the it's, Russian it's one? It's happen. <laughs> the, oh, don't, don't even. the best. It was a mountain. It was a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Still fucking funny. Um, that's our episode, Unsolved Mysteries, and it was a mountain. You guys wouldn't get it unless you listen, so you should like listen. <laughs> Sometimes I make faces that's like shame. they see me, and then I'm just like, oh, I'm just alone here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just a voice. Yeah, I'm just a voice in the void. I wonder if like anybody has investigated to see what we look like. I don't know, but I have all my stuff on private. So. Oh, I don't. Alright, guys. It's not that hard to find Brandy. Just look at the I mean... followers on the page. <laughs> like, I wonder if they found my YouTube channel. Like, <gasps> oh, you I know? forgot you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, which I haven't posted on since, like, last year. Do you want to plug your YouTube channel that you haven't posted on since last year real quick? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Brandy and Alaris. <laughs> yes. Alright, everyone. Look it up. Subscribe. <laughs> Even though I probably won't post another video for a while. Yeah, probably not ever. I've been wanting... like... <laughs> I mean, I want to get back into it, but I sold my computer, so I needed. I want because what I wanted to get a new one. Mm -hmm. But since this whole coronavirus, everyone's trying to get laptops, and they fucking are expensive as hell right now. That is very true. <laughs> I feel so. For I'm kind of waiting. <laughs> Do you have a camera for it? I have. Not a like a vlogging one. Oh. I have camera for pictures. Okay. But it dies super fast because we recorded I think like one video mm -hmm. on that one on my camera, but it died so fast that it was like <laughs> not even worth it. So you guys need to find these videos. It is a vlog style lifestyle lifestyle <laughs> video. I think I watched one where you and Alaris were trying on each other's clothes and I thought it was funny. Oh, it was funny. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and they don't even know how you look so they're probably like what do you mean <laughs> yeah. well, what was... I dress... oh go oh i was just gonna say i dress very masculine and my wife doesn't so when i like was wearing her clothes i just felt so uncomfortable <laughs> it's a great video everyone i would highly recommend watching this <laughs> and no when i come out with the dress that one the most funniest dude i should go search that and rewatch it i remember watching at work before <laughs> on break and i was just like what is this <laughs> but uh someday um, we'll post a picture of us on instagram but not yet why not we're waiting till my accutane is done oh, till okay. it's fully clear also all right brandy you're fucking quarantined you're like why not now i'm like when, uh -huh. we, when will we take a picture bro <laughs> that's right and we don't have any we all together. take individual pictures yes we have, we the have best pic one ever yeah we have pictures from pride of last year if you guys would like to see a year old picture <laughs> of us <laughs> they probably wouldn't mind yeah true i mean i was wearing a lot of glitter it was pretty cute wouldn't be a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> all right let's focus
I just wanted to apologize in advance. Why? <laughs> oh, did you miss my whole spiel? No, no. Take it off, Brandy. Okay. <sighs> depress. I depress. <laughs> Same. I know. I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> All right. So, we'll talk about the great Amherst mystery. The events take place in Amherst. Nova, Nova Scotia, Canada. Brandy. Probably already fucked that up. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I admire that you choose the ones with the hardest names. I, I, it was the most interesting out of all the stories. And then I looked at where it would happen. I was like, I don't have no idea how to say that. She was like, it happened in Canada. Yeah, it happened in Canada. I've never heard of this. <laughs> I'm very excited, actually. Cool. So the That's story is inter- fake. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> no one asked, Michelle. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No, I know, I know. Sorry. Damn, Michelle. I'm sorry. I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> I mean, you could keep interrupting. Just don't be mean. <laughs> I was saying I thought you were being <laughs> This is like reverse bowling. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I'll cut that out. The story is centered on Esther Cox. <laughs> Brandy, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was determined not to do anything in there. <laughs> <laughs> the story is centered on Esther Cox and her family. Esther was born on March 28, 1860, in Upper Stewakie. Stewa- <laughs> I love it there. <laughs> yep, it's a beautiful place. <laughs> beautiful which is about an hour and a half away from Amherst, where it's just like almost where everything is going to go down. Okay. So Esther lived in a small house with her sister, Olive Teed, and Olive's husband, Daniel, and their two young children. It is said that a brother and a sister of Esther and Olive also lived there, but there's no information on them. So, like, I just assume they're really young and they weren't included, pretty much. Irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Also, Daniel's brother, John T. Teed. I was going to say, wait, the last name is Teeth? <laughs> no, Teed. T E E D. T E E E E D. Yes. Got it. All right. So, the whole reason we know this story is because of this guy, Walter Hubble. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I like these names. <laughs> <laughs> So he actually wrote a book about the events, and it was published in 1879. Oh my gosh. Why does my dumbass feel like they published stuff back then? (laughs) Uh, yeah. They knew how to read? That's wild. That's whoa. (laughs) So according to Hubble's account, the events began at the end of August 1878. After Esther was subjected to an attempted sexual assault by a male friend. Oh my gosh, that's sad. Uh, yeah, she was only 18 at the time. Oh my god, I thought she was like a way older than that too, fuck. Mm-mm. It was, she was 18 when everything started. This left her in great distress and shortly after the physical phenomena, I always, I always freaking fuck this word, is phenomena? Phenomena or phenomenon? 
I use, I think I use both in my story. I, I think I'm going to stick to Phenomena. I used to think it was Phenomenom until I looked it up today. Like, there's an M on the end. Saying it out loud sounds stupid. I, I used that's how to say Phenomenia. Phenomenia. Like Mamma mia, <laughs> it's a pizza. <laughs> it's a pizzeria. Pizzeria. I just said pizza only. That sounded wrong. I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so this left her in great distress, and shortly after the physical phenomena began. There were knocking, banging, and rust rustling noises Typical in the night. Noisy ghost. Basically, they just <laughs> like to fuck with you at night when you're trying to sleep. Just rude. <laughs> and Esther began to suffer from seizures in which her body visibly swelled and she was feverish and chilled. Holy shit! And by chilled, I think they meant like she had like, like she was really hot, but she had like goosebumps. Yeah, like shivering kind of. Yeah. I'm a, I have a very specific image in my head of what was going down. <laughs> I'm like, and she was shivering. She was shivering and she was cold and hot. and A lot was happening. Her eyes were rolling back. No. Holy shit. <laughs> this is like taking me back to our exorcism episode. Literally. <laughs> there's, there's no puke in this one, though. Oh, okay. Thank God. No inhuman amount of feces either. Yeah, no. <sighs> Damn. This, this one ain't. It ain't gross like that. We're really missing out. It's just noisy. <laughs> just a noisy ghost. So then objects in the house took flight. Like, they're... <laughs> that's just a weird way to word it. They took flight. Blast <laughs> off. That just, I don't know, it really just sounds like they were planning it and one specific one was like, take flight, and they all took off at once. <laughs> no, just like random objects around the house just would like fucking fly across the room. That's what mine was doing. Basically, they like to make noise. <laughs> it's so, I still, oh my god, I still feel like Leah in the Warren episode. She's like, my story took place in Connecticut. And I was like, my story had a poltergeist too. And it's like, we're talking about <laughs> poltergeist, dude. What am I saying? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I know. I'm shocked. I'm like, wait, wait, mine, mine did stuff. Mine was noisy. <laughs> <laughs> so the frightened family called in a doctor during, whoa. Did nope. they? Oh my god, you guys. The doctor oh. was the ghost all along. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the frightened family called in the doctor. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. During his visit, it says like the sheets moved, scratching noises were heard, and the words, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill, uh. appeared on the wall <gasps> by the head of the young woman's bed. Oh my god. In that fucking sketch? That's scary. I would think it was her fucking friend, like, stalking her, honestly. Mm-mm. Scary. So the following day, the doctor gave Esther sedatives to calm her and to help her sleep. Where, upon more noises and flying objects manifested themselves. Oh, my God. They're just like, ooh, got worse. Woo-hoo. woo <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, I should insert the... <laughs> oh my god. Just randomly. Reminder scare. of future me. Put that in the episode somewhere. <laughs> we were the noisy poultry guys all along. <laughs> so attempts to communicate with the spirit resulted in tapped responses to question questions. Question <laughs> questions. Are we like country now? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, Brandy's actually in the south right now, you guys. Taking a little vacay. <laughs> oh, 
also in my story they say they say wrapped responses, but I'm not sure what that means. Uh how's it spelled? Like wrapped. Like R A P P E D. Oh. Maybe they meant R A P T, which means like quick, like wrapped. <laughs> you guys you guys can't see like, I'm doing my version of Yeah, like but like with your hand like that's what I kind of, I think like meant like tapping. Yeah, like sharply. Quick though. tapping. Like, okay. I I like don't know whip. why I keep doing hand motions when no one could see my fucking hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like if you you guys can't see, I'm like moving my hand quickly. Can you hear the zoom by? You're whoosh, that's my hand. <laughs> real, they real see now. it. They see it. They They're see picturing it. it. Imagine it in your head. <laughs> So the phenomena, I keep saying so. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too, and I try to like stop myself, and then I can't. Yeah, same. I it's just my, can't. It's, it's just... my go-to. Or, or, or anyways. <laughs> oh, true. You do say anyways a lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> there I go again. Too good. Too good. <laughs> so the phenomena continued for some months and became well known, locally. 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 Okay. Visitors to the cottage, including clergymen, clergy, 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 clergy. Yeah, we, we must sound so dumb to the Canadians. <laughs> We're like clergy. Probably. clergy. <laughs> we can't pronounce the name of their places. Just Canada. Their occupation. Well, I'm saying we don't know how to wrong. say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they heard banging. And knocking and witness moving objects often when Esther herself was under close investigation. Oh, so they know it wasn't her. Yeah, so they would literally like watch her and they would be like, what the fuck? Ugh. In December, she fell ill with diphtheria. Mm hmm. Yeah, I heard that's I pronounced really bad. that, right? You know what that is? No. I didn't know. I Brandy, had to look I it have, up. Brandy, I have no idea what you're saying right now. <laughs> You know it was that? Pretty, it's actually it actually is pretty bad. Okay. What is it? It was a serious infection of the nose and throat that's easily preventable by vaccine. But I guess it was like it was literally hold on. Ew. Ew. It's cause I clicked on it. But they said it was like literally like a it would give you like a swollen neck. And it was like some like gray stuff that would like be inside your throat, making it really hard to breathe what yeah ew that is ill <laughs> well it's too bad i'll never know the name of it but it is ew diphtheria duh wait how nope. do you spell that d-a-d-n-o-d-i-p-h-t-h-e-r-i-a oh yeah i don't know how to say that either Diph yeah, diphtheria? Yeah. Oh, I saw a picture. Ugh. Okay, you guys don't look it up. It's not... Why would you do that? You did it too. You did it first. No, I didn't. Why'd you say you? I'm just kidding. I did look it up. I know. I was like, well, I just heard you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is interesting is no phenomena were, ex were observed during the two weeks she spent in bed, nor during the time she spent recuperating afterwards. Oh. At the home, yeah, at the home of her another sister in Sackville, NB. 
I forgot to look up what MB was. Oh, Sack- New Brunswick. Sackville. <laughs> yeah, Sackville. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Sackville, New New Brunswick. You got a, Brunswick. You laughed at Cox earlier, and now I get a laugh at Sackville. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, she was at someone else's house while she was sick and recovering? Yeah, well, she was at her house, and then she I guess she went to her other sister's house to, like, recuperate. Okay. So that seems suspect that nothing was happening while she was sick. Yeah. But also, they witnessed before experiences without her doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, all sketch. I'm basically a paranormal investigator. Do you guys hear me solving this right now? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, however, when she returned to Amherst, the mysterious events began again. Oh, no. This time involving the outbreak of fires in various places in the house. Oh, like I said, places. Places. <laughs> oh, wait, but also, Don't make fun of me. No, I just fully processed what you said, and I was like, oh, shit, that's bad. <laughs> fire's not good. <laughs> So, Esther was now claiming that she saw a ghost, which threatened to burn down the house unless she left. Oh my gosh. That's rude. It is rude. <laughs> like, bitch, you're dead. You don't need this house. So, in January 1879, Esther moved in with another local family, but the manifestations around her continued <laughs> and were witnessed by many people. Oh my god. She's like, bro, yeah. I moved out of the house. What more do you, you want? Right? <laughs> Yeah, and I guess some other people, like, um, supposedly conversed with the ghost by questioning and tap dancers. Tap dancers? Tapped answers. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> the spirit or whatever the ghost would respond by tap. Dude, I was tripping. I was, like, imagining in my head, and I was like, <laughs> were they having, like, tap dancers come to the house for some reason and specifically talk to the ghost? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and tap dancers. <laughs> oh my god I'm stupid <laughs> some people were curious and sympathetic while others believed Esther herself to be responsible for the phenomena and she was met with some hostility locally damn people are bitches if you think you're getting haunted basically it's kind of messed up that's when you really need help and everyone's like you're a fucking liar <laughs> oh especially your wait oh no oh no <laughs> Esther was frequently slapped, pricked, <gasps> and scratched by the ghost, and on one occasion was stabbed in the back with a clasp knife. What? Yeah. Oh my god. This, this might be the most hardcore ghost action we've ever talked about. Right? Like, oh my god. you can't. Like, how can someone stab themselves in the, in the back? Oof. With a lot of willpower if you need to, I guess. Jesus Christ. But, like, still. Yeah, no. You don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> No sane person. Yeah. Keyword sane. No, I feel bad. <laughs> she seemed like an okay lady. Interest in the case grew as the news spread, and in late March, Esther spent some time in St. John, New Brunswick, <laughs> where she was investigated by some local gentlemen with an interest in science. Is this like a... Is this a new town, or is this like a hospital? No, yeah, it's a new, new town oh, in New Brunswick. It sounded like a hospital name, but I don't know how Canada names their towns. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Canada. Yeah, me either. Sorry, Canadian <laughs> listeners. 
We know nothing of you. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, let us know in an email um, if you listen to the end. <laughs> By now, several distinct spirits were apparently associated with the young woman and communicating with onlookers via knocking. Okay. So some of the, like, the names were Bob Nickel, which was the original. <laughs> These names Don't laugh at his name. Bob Nickel. <laughs> Bob Nickel. The original ghost claimed to have been a shoemaker in life, and others identified themselves as Peter Cox, a relative of the Cox, and Maggie Fisher. Okay. <laughs> Stop laughing. I'm sorry, but also I was just thinking, Bob Nickel is such a shoemaker name. Is it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Shoes by Nickel. Yeah, oh my god, I could see it now. <laughs> <laughs> So after the visit to St. John, Esther spent some time with the Van Ambergs, who were friends with a peaceful farm near Amherst, and then returned to the Teeds. What? Mm. Okay. My favorite part oh. of your stories is in the middle when you say, what? <laughs> <laughs> I always do that because I like my notes don't make sense sometimes. 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 <laughs> so after the visit to St. John... Esther spent some time with the Van Ambergs, who were friends and she, like who lived at a peaceful farm mm-hmm. near Amherst. And then shortly after, she returned to the Teeds Cottage in the summer of 1879. Ooh, summer house. Well, guess, guess what? <laughs> the poltergeist came back. Yeah. Oh my god. Yet again. This motherfucker can't leave her alone. So it was at this point where the author, Walter Hubble, like actually heard about it and moved into the tea cottage as a lodger. Oh, okay. To, yeah, to investigate. Weird. I actually read. The, I think he said that he was an actor, originally. Oh, an actor slash paranormal investigator slash roommate. Yeah, he was an actor with an interest in psychic phenomena. Oh, okay. That sounds not, weirdly yeah. familiar. I don't think I've heard of this story, but just that part, I'm like, huh. Well, I mean, there's a whole book about it. I don't read books from the 1800s. That might sound shallow, but yeah. I never know what their words mean. They're like, forsooth. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he spent some weeks with Esther and her family and reported having personally witnessed fine objects, fires, and objects appearing from nowhere. He also claimed he saw the phenomena occur even when Esther herself was in few full view and obviously unconnected with them like oh, the events okay so like he could like see her <laughs> this is gonna sound weird but like her whole body you like see that it's not full her. view <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> yeah 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 he also claimed to have witnessed attacks on esther with pins and other sharp objects and to have seen her in several fits of extreme swelling and pain. Oh my gosh, poor Esther. Well, she's, she was still like 18 or 19 at this point, right? Yeah, she was like 19 by Jesus now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. She's having a hard go of it. Uh, seriously. <laughs> First she almost gets raped, and then she like gets freaking attacked by the culture guys. Yeah, and gets literally stabbed in the back. <laughs> literally. Poor Esther. We're hoping for um, a happy ending here. It gets better. Oh, thank God. Eventually. 
I really thought you were going to be like, well, she died. Well, she died when she was 20 years old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you see my eyes get wide? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he commuted. Commuted. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Communicated. <laughs> Close. I was like, I want to enjoy this laugh too. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> he communicated with the various spirits by rapping. There's that word again. <laughs> I just imagine him like actually rapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought when I first read it. I was like, that doesn't make sense. I was gonna. Just... <laughs> yeah, they were hardcore rappers in the 1800s. <laughs> didn't you know? And no, I didn't know. They're super underrated. You probably have never heard of them. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't. I don't know shit. Shit. So he listed. So I guess while he was like talking to them, there was three other names listed of spirits. Okay. So Mary Fisher, Jane Nichol, and Eliza McNeil. Okay, I just got to point out that two of these people have the same last names as before. Yes. Are they, they related to the earlier ghosts? It does not say. Okay. She really couldn't think of any more last names. She's like Nichol. <laughs> Again, Fisher, Fisher, the last one, McNeil or whatever. At least that's like a creative one. Difference. Yeah. So with Hubble's professional help, Esther set out on a speaking tour, attracting audiences who paid to see her and hear her story. However, she was met with some hostile reactions, and one night after a show, she was heckled, and a disturbance broke out. It doesn't Aww. say what happened, but like it said that it. Whatever was attempted, like, um, didn't, what's it say? Like, it was prevented. Like, they stopped it. They're probably trying to beat her ass. I, pretty much. I mean, they were heckling her. Which I don't get. I'm like, dang, why do you guys care so much? Even if someone is lying about a ghost, I'm like, that doesn't affect me. I don't care. <laughs> Go lie <laughs> yeah, about right? a ghost. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so she returned to Amherst once more and worked for a man named Arthur Davis Davison. But after his barn burned down, he accused Esther of arson. <gasps> oh my god, Esther. I'm so sorry, girl. <laughs> mm, she was convicted and sentenced to four <gasps> months in prison. Oh, it gets worse. I thought he was just going to accuse her and she'd be gone. Nope. Mm -hmm, Jail. Nope. Brutal. But she was released after only one month. Okay, that's good at least. I guess. <laughs> so... I after this, the phenomena gradually ceased for good. Thank God, dude. And I guess just a little more about her. She um she died at the age of fifty two. <gasps> That's on November... so young. Is it? Yeah, Brandy. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. She got married twice and had two sons from one from each like husband. And she moved to Brockton, Massachusetts. Oh. With her second husband. And she died on November 8th, 1912. Oh, when my she was gosh. 52. Yeah. How did she die, do you know? No, it doesn't say. 1912. It literally could have been any disease, probably. <laughs> probably. That's sad. Well, I mean, I'm glad she stopped being fucking terrorized. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it eventually just stopped. You know, I think I did read on one thing that, like, poltergeists kind of show up in times of stress. 
So that would make sense that, like, right after she was almost assaulted, like, it's gotta be stressful. So then the poltergeist showed up to haunt her or something. To fuck with her more. Yeah, which is probably just shitty. Like, what's the... What's the phrase? Like, you're just, like, fuel to the fire or something. I don't know. That sounds... That's not what I was thinking of. You're just making it worse. You're being rude. Yeah. You're a rude poltergeist. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, that's my story. Nice. I was truly shocked at the fact that she was stabbed. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I don't know. But thank you guys for listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is Tales from Beyond Podcast. Our email is Tales from Beyond Podcast at gmail.com. Our website, Tales from Beyond Podcast.com. Our Twitter, spooky underscore beyond. Let us know what you guys think, if we made any mistakes. If you want to hear any specific stories, or if you want us to like tell your story or anything, we're down. Bye. Okay, bye.